the 20th of July, 2006, episode 39. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Rookie Designer is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. As designers, software is obviously a big part of our lives. And as design has moved into the digital age, it has become more and more dependent on an ever-changing technology of better constructed applications that are meant to smooth out a sometimes arduous workflow that we go through. Today we're going to discuss some of the different software that's out there and what their functions are, and also which of these may be the key to your success as a designer. Short on time? Check out the One Minute Tip, a collection of short podcasted tips, interviews, quick starts, and videos covering the technologies we use every day. A great little podcast to wedge between the minutes of your busy day. Check out the One Minute Tip at www.oneminutetip.com. I hope everybody enjoyed the last episode that I put out. Uh, it was the one where we went through the DVD that I got that was about Macworld 2006. Thought it would be cool to just share a little bit of that with you and the fact that I got it to share it with people and I thought it was a little more geared towards this podcast. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that and uh, found some useful information there. I do still have, I mentioned last time that I have some books and cards left over from that. They gave me two of these books. It's called Upgrading to Mac OS X 10.4 Tiger. So if you're not using Tiger and you're on a Mac and you want to learn some stuff about that, I have two books here, absolutely free. All you got to do is send me an email and say, I want the book, and I'll send it to you. And I'll give you guys, I don't know, maybe till the next episode. If you want these things, just let me know. Otherwise, they're going to go in the recycle bin. Uh, I know it's not a real popular book or anything. I don't know why they sent this to me, but they sent it to me. So if you want it, you can have it. The other thing is cards for Peach Pit that you can use at peachpit.com. And again, there, it's been in the bullpen before. It's a place to buy books, design books, uh, books for training on applications and stuff like that. And if you are a club member, which you can be with this card, then you can get up to like 35% off or something like that. So if you want one of those, send me an email, adam at rookiedesigner.com and say, I want the, one of the cards. Or if you want the book, just say, I want one of the books. And I will send it to you. I forgot to mention this before, but I wanted to thank a couple people. We got a couple of moderators on the forums now. Uh, one of them is Kitty, and just recently added is Marco. So I want to thank those guys. They're going to be just kind of looking it over, and they're always up there, you know, pretty much every day. So I can count on them to to make sure everything's all kosher up there. We've never had a problem with people you know, trying to slam other people or anything like that. But I definitely want to continue to make sure that we don't have any problems like that. And this just goes to show it's a great forum to be on. There's almost 200 people up there now. I think there's 180 something. So if you're not a member yet, please get up there and register. There's lots of great conversations. You can learn a lot of things. 
A lot of people have asked questions of me and of other people and got them answered. So it's a, it's a really a good thing to be a part of. And uh, thanks again to Kitty and Marco for helping me out with that. The nominations for the podcast awards are now over, as you probably know, because I was sending out all kinds of messages any way I could. But I want to thank everybody that nominated me. And we should know in the next few days or maybe a week who the top five are in each of the categories. So if we make it in the top five for education, then I'm going to be asking you to vote for me again. So see if we can win that award. But again, if you did nominate the show uh, even just once or multiple times, then I definitely thank you. I very, very much appreciate that. And I will keep a, keep you posted on that. Uh, Lightroom has come out with a beta, or Adobe has come out with a Lightroom beta for Windows. And Lightroom, is, again, is kind of like Aperture from Apple. It's a way to organize and edit your photos. And uh, I kind of dropped the ball on this one, I guess. I had made a couple announcements about Lightroom before, not realizing that it was only for Macintosh. Um, but now it's out for Windows, so whichever system you're on, you can use it for both. Um, Photoshop World is coming up, and it's going to be in Vegas this year. It is held September 7th through 9th, and that's a Thursday through Saturday. And uh, I wanted to mention this now because if you... If you register for this now, it's considered the early bird registry, and it's $100 cheaper. So right now, if you if you sign up, if you're not a member of NAP or the National Association of Photoshop Professionals, it's going to cost you $500. If you are a member of NAP, then it costs you $400. If you wait until after August 4th, then it's going to cost you $100 more than that. So if you do want to go, I suggest that you sign up as soon as possible so you can save that $100. Last and definitely not least, uh, we've been having a lot of server problems. Uh, I do host both of my podcasts on DreamHost. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it in the past and how great it is. Well, they're having some massive problems right now. And I'm sure if you try to go up on the forums or go to the website, you've noticed this. It's, it always seems to work pretty well in the morning. I don't know if that's because there's less people on or, or what's going on there. But by the afternoon, the last few days, it's either loading really, really slow or it's completely unreachable at all. So I, I just have to ask you to be patient with this. It's I, I apologize for this, but there's obviously nothing I can do about it. I just give my money to these server people and they're supposed to take care of it. So... Um, and that's also the reason why I wanted to put this podcast out a little bit later. I was afraid that it was going to get in there and it would be in the feed and show up maybe in iTunes and you try and download it and it would give you the little exclamation point saying, we don't know what's going on with this. And uh, I, I didn't want anybody to think that there was something wrong going on here. So I, I tried to delay it a little bit so that hopefully everything will go smoothly by the time I put this up and you won't have any trouble playing it. But again, I apologize for if you go to the website and you're having a problem getting on there or getting on the forums, but uh, it should be cleared up hopefully pretty soon. They keep fixing things and more things go wrong, but hopefully they'll get a grip on it real soon so we don't have to deal with this anymore. All right, so today we're going to be talking about software. And I've had a couple of requests for this, and a couple of them came when we did the contest a long time ago. 
Uh, ben wanted to hear about the roles of the different applications. Uh, Justin wanted to, to hear an application review. Now, I don't necessarily want to do a review on different programs. And I'm not really a fan. I'm a fan of reviews when they're done by, you know, professionals for magazines or whatever. I mean, they can do them. I like, I enjoy reading them, but I don't like to do them myself because I don't want to offend anybody. If I don't like a piece of software and I say that it's junk and I don't want to use it, I don't think anybody else should. And that person happens to like that software and use it all the time. They're probably going to be a little offended that I said that. And I don't want to lose people. I don't want to lose listeners over the fact that I like a piece of software better than another. So I'm going to stay away from the whole review thing. What I will do is tell you what I use and what I think works well for me. And again, it's not necessarily the best thing out there. It's just what I've used and what I feel comfortable using. Now, a good example of this is when I went to school, I started out with Cork Express because at the time that was the standard. And I thought to myself, I'll never, I'll never leave Cork Express for InDesign. I love Cork; it's the best. Blah blah blah. Well, I started. I, I bought the Creative Suite, and it came with InDesign. So I figured, hey, I might as well figure out how to use this. You know, it'll it'll be an extra skill that I have. Started using it, loved it. I now don't use Cork anymore. I use InDesign. So you really can't just shoot down a program because you use another one, or because you you're used to it, or because you heard it's better. You really got to try it out for yourself because you never know. I mean, there might be something about the program that just feels more comfortable to you than other things. So with that said, I also just got a, a, a Skype message. Um, I think it was a call-in. I don't know if it was a call-in or a Skype. They both go to the same area. But I wanted to play this also because it was kind of dealing with the same thing. Hey, Adam, this is Kel from Chicago. I've been a huge fan of the show for a really long time. Um, I want to tell you, great job, and thanks for not having a lot of like commercials and stuff on there, which drives me nuts on other podcasts. I do have one suggestion, and this is from someone who like knows next to nothing about graphic designing but wants to know. Do you have like a sort of um, must-have list of programs that you should start on and then sort of build up gradually to? And everyone I've talked to has always said, like, you should start with like Photoshop and Illustrator and then work up to like Quark, but I'm not sure. Do you have any um, suggestions? Uh, primarily, I'm going to be working in uh, 2D works, but also maybe for web designers too. That would be great if you could hook that up. Thanks, and uh, keep up the good work. Bye. So I thought that was a really good topic, and that's kind of where I wanted to start too. I'm um, going to start with the essentials, the things that I think that you should definitely know first off. And I think whoever she talked to had the right idea. The first thing you want to do is be familiar with a photo imaging or a manipulation program. And there are tons of them out there. And let me just start by saying that if I don't list one that you use, please don't be offended. I'm not going to try and list every single one that's out there. It's particularly on the PC platform, there are so many developers making freeware and shareware and also programs that you pay for. They're very good, but they're, they're not well known. I'm going to try and go over ones that are well known that you maybe have heard before, heard of before, or ones that I use. Um, so the first one would be photo imaging or manipulation. And these are, of course, the ones where you work on the bitmap images or you work on images that are made out of pixels. And, of course, the main one would be Photoshop. There's also Corel Paint Shop. There's Microsoft Digital Image Suite, Macromedia, or now Adobe Fireworks. 
uh, Picasa, which is actually a free application that you can get from Google. I'm going to be talking about that one later. Photoshop Elements, which is kind of like a Photoshop light. And of course, Photoshop. And my recommendation, if you're going to be in the graphic design field or if you're going to work with graphics a lot, learn Photoshop. At the very least, learn Photoshop Elements because you're going to be learning some of the functionality of Photoshop. And you know, maybe when you maybe you can make that jump later if you get the money to buy Photoshop or if you go work for somebody and they have Photoshop, you're already going to have a head start on that. If you're using one of these other ones, you're it's going to be foreign to you when you get in Photoshop and that's not going to be good. There's a pretty steep learning curve for Photoshop. So you want to make sure that you have some good skills in that. And really this one is used in pretty much every design job you can have. And I'm going to be going over later the different fields that you might go into and what software you would probably be using. And Photoshop is going to come in pretty much every single one of those. I think the only one that it really wouldn't come into play in is audio. And I'm not going to go over audio because I know absolutely nothing about the software. But, you know, it's going to come up in every single instance, pretty much any job that you're going to get. So definitely it's a good idea to know, at least have some basics in Photoshop. The next one I'd say is going to be extremely important is the other side of the imagery there, which is the vector art. And that's going to be ones that are like your drawing tools. And there's a bunch of these too, probably not as much as the photo imaging software, but you have things like PaintShop Pro, you have Freehand and Illustrator. Those are pretty much the big guys there. Um, Freehand, we've talked before about Go Live and Dreamweaver and how Adobe owns them both now and we might see some kind of hybrid come out of those two and one will go away. I think this might be another case where that might happen because Freehand was Macromedia, of course, which got bought out by Adobe. And Illustrator is really the standard, at least in most cases that I've seen. I think actually Kitty told me that she lives in Guatemala and I think there Freehand is what everybody uses. So... Um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen on that, but this could be another case where two products get combined into one because they do a lot of the same kind of things. But these are really the ones you're going to want to know, either freehand or illustrator. Um, they're pretty much the standards as far as work goes, as far as what businesses use. So you want to be familiar with that. And also you want to be able to make vector graphics. This is going to come into play in several different jobs. So you just, I mean, it's, it's the other side of the two halves of, of imaging or digital imaging. You got to be able to work with pixels. You also have to be able to work with vector images because it comes into play in a lot of different areas. So those are what I would call the essentials. Those are the big two. Those are the ones that span across pretty much any job that you're going to get into if you're doing some kind of graphic design or desktop publishing or anything like that. Now, after you get past those two, you really have to decide what it is you're going to be doing, unless you're going to be a jack of all trades, of course. If you're a freelancer, it's good to know a lot of different things, but it's still good to kind of hone in on one or two different areas so that you can be an expert in those one or two areas, rather than spending all your time spreading it thin, learning just everything under the sun. So the first one I want to start with is web design. 
And again, this is a, a weaker point of mine. So if I leave something out, please don't, uh, don't get on my case too much. If I ever leave anything out of any of the shows, you want to make a remark, you want to add something to it, feel free to go up on the forum. You can go under the Rookie Designer folder and just put up a post with the, the episode number and just give us a shout out and say what you want to say. Anyways, for web, there's a couple different ways you can go here. There are what you call the WYSIWYG applications. And again, that stands for what you see is what you get, which means you can actually get a, a physical view of what the page is looking like while you're making it. And you can actually drag things around and do it that way instead of just hand coding. Um, there's a, a lot of choices here as well. You have Mozilla or Netscape Com Composer. You have page mill, you have front page, which is one I definitely will not recommend. Again, I don't want to get into reviews, but I've told a lot of, I've, there's been discussion about this on the forum and I'm just not a fan of front page. I think it does a very shabby job. And a lot of people have pointed out that it writes a lot of unnecessary code, which just can cause problems for your web pages. Anyways, uh, the big two for the WYSIWYGs would be Go Live and Dreamweaver. And as I just said, we've had discussions in the past about maybe these thing, two might be combining in, in the future, or actually it would be next year maybe when they come out with Creative Suite 3. These might combine into one super application, which would be good because there's a lot of good things about both of those. Now, because we've had these discussions, a lot of people have asked me, which one should I learn or which one, you know, which one should I be using? I, I have been saying, if you can learn Dreamweaver, if you have it available to you, then I would learn that one because I think that one is the superior out of the two. It's probably the one that's going to stick around or it's going to at least have most of the functionality. If your only choice is to learn Go Live, then it's a very good program. So go ahead and learn it. it it'll, uh, it'll get you into the skills that you need to know. And some things, I mean, they don't work exactly the same way in Dreamweaver, but a lot of the, some, a lot of the same concepts kind of carry over into Dreamweaver from Go Live. And again, if they do combine these two, I would say the look and feel of the program might actually go more towards Go Live because it's set up like an Adobe application. And I wouldn't be surprised if they take these macromedia applications and make them kind of look and work more like Adobe's, you know, Adobe's applications that they already have out there. Now, if you are a hand coder, you can always go with the more text editor style. And that's, of course, your first option. If you don't want to buy anything, you can use WordPad or Notepad. For you on the Mac, you can use text edit. But of course, you have to know how to write all the tags. You have to know how to uh, set up your declaration for your page and all that. Some other choices are home site, and this is made by Macromedia. So I guess this is property of Adobe now, and I don't think they've made a version in a while. I don't think this is something that they continue to work on. So I don't know if this thing is going to actually stay around. Um, Cute HTML is one for the PC and BB edit is also a very popular one. And the good thing about some of these like home site, BB edit, it actually, Sometimes they'll have a list of tags that you can choose from, but it also, um, I don't know the right word for it. It can help you format your, your code and it can also, it like has different color coding for links for different types of scripting and that kind of stuff. So it helps you really organize and be able to, to look through your code 
a little faster and more efficiently because you can tell the difference between things. Whereas if you're in text edit or, or notepad, it's all just black text. So it's kind of hard to read through sometimes. Uh, as I said before, if you're in web design, unless you're strictly doing some kind of uh, coding or some kind of development, you're most likely going to be using Photoshop or Fireworks. Uh, you're going to have to come up with images. Again, this is more like front-end design. If you're doing front-end design, you actually have to do the imagery yourself. Then you're going to need one of these photo imaging programs to, to get your images, not only the size you need them and you know if you have any manipulations to do, but also to format it to a file size that, that works for the internet so that it doesn't take forever to download them. You also might find that you need Illustrator and Freehand. If you have a need for vector art, it's obviously not going to end up being vector art for the web. It's going to end up being a GIF or a JPEG. But sometimes you want that certain look of something that's been drawn or, or illustrated instead of uh, the pixels. Something you might also need to know if you're doing web design is Flash. And this really depends. I mean, there's, there, there are super specialized jobs where the people only do the flash for the web and they don't do the, the coding, they don't do the images, anything like that. But there are also other ones. If you go to work for a smaller company and you're the web designer, you're most likely going to be doing all that stuff. So you're probably going to need to know your Photoshop Illustrator and you're going to need to know Flash if they want to have that flash functionality on their website. And last but not least, you're going to need some kind of FB, FTP client to be able to put your put all your images and all your files up to the up to the web. And there's lots of different ones here. I decided not to go through them because there there's like a million. Um, there's lots of freeware ones that you can get for free. There's lots of shareware ones, which usually cost you between like ten or thirty dollars. Um, one that I did want to recommend. And I'm sorry, this is biased towards the Mac, but that's what I use. But I just bought this one not too long ago. I think it was $25 or $30, and it's called Transmit. And I will have, I don't have the uh, the actual URL for this right now, but I'll put it up in the show notes. This thing is great, and I actually think I'm going to do a little demo for uh, Quick Tips for Designers. Because just the functionality of this thing is great. You can set favorites, which you can do in pretty much any FTP client. But also you can make little uh, drop zones so I could have like a little icon on my desktop and I can just drop my files on it and it automatically opens up the program. It knows exactly where to put it up on my server. So that's obviously a great thing to have. It also comes with a dashboard widget, which uh, you can just take your files and drag it up to activate your, your dashboard or drag it on the little icon for the dashboard. And then there's a little icon in your dashboard, there's a little widget that you set up prior that tells it where to put your files and you can just drag your files on that too and it puts it up to the internet, puts it up to your server. So I just thought that was really cool. It's pretty cheap, it works really well. They're coming up with updates for it all the time and uh, definitely something I recommend if you do a lot of uh, web work or you you're, find yourself putting a lot of files up to the internet. The next one I wanted to go over is if you're going into video editing or motion graphics. And a lot of things you'll find on this are going to be kind of Apple versus Adobe. Apple, of course, has the Final Cut Studio now. And Adobe has their production, video production studio, I think it is. Video production suite. Not sure what the name of it is anymore. Um, 
first thing we're talking about here is NLEs or nonlinear non editors. Some of the big names in this one are Adobe Premiere, uh, Avid, which also has a light version. It's Avid Express or Avid Pro, uh, Final Cut Pro or Final Cut Express, which again is like the light version. Uh, the super light version would be iMovie, which of course comes with your Mac, if you do have a Macintosh. I think Windows comes with Movie Maker, which has some of the same kind of functionality in it as well, I believe. And Sony Vegas is also a big one that a lot of people use. For me, um, if you don't know it by now already, I use Final Cut Pro. I have the Final Cut Studio. This is what I was taught on when, when I was in school and I went through my video production courses. And it is one of the leaders. It is supposed to be one of the best ones. Now, Avid is also very good, but with Avid, there's a, a lot more hardware that you have to purchase, and it's usually quite a bit more money to get into it. Final Cut Pro, I think, costs you about... Well, I don't think... Actually, I don't think you can buy it separately anymore. I think it comes only as the, the big package, and that, I believe, is... I don't want to lie here. I think it's like $1,200. Let me look this up real quick, and I'll tell you. As far as Premiere goes, I've used Premiere. I use it at work sometimes. I'm just not that comfortable with it. I think mainly because I started in Final Cut Pro. Just find this other thing. I think mainly because I just started in Final Cut Pro and I'm used to it and I'm comfortable in it. Yeah, I just, I just never really got comfortable with Premiere. It does a lot of the same things that Final Cut Pro does but it also does have some things that it doesn't do that Final Cut Pro does. So that kind of turned me off as well as uh, the different codecs that, you, that are available. Now you can always buy more codecs and, and add them in like plugins so that you can put out different formats. But everything that I've been doing has been kind of based on the Mac. So of course the formats that I want are kind of Mac based and those were always obviously available through uh Final Cut Pro, and a lot of them weren't available through Premiere. But I think more than anything else, it's just kind of a comfort thing, a comfort level that I have with Final Cut Pro because that's what I learned in. I'm still searching for this thing. Final Cut Studio. It is $1,299, so $1,300. I was close. Uh, the next thing is motion graphics. And there's a few different things you can do here. Shake would be the first one. That's by Apple. Uh, After Effects is of course by Adobe, and I believe that comes in the in their little production suite. And then Apple Motion comes in the Final Cut Studio. Shake is kind of the very high level. You're not going to find a lot of people using that unless you're talking um, unless you're talking big production like movie productions. That's usually who uses that. After Effects and Motion. Motion is relatively new. I believe it's only in the first or second edition. It's a very good program, and, and they came out with this kind of to rival After Effects. I don't think it's as good as After Effects, mainly because After Effects has been around so long, they've been able to build up a, lo a, a lot of good functionality. I think motion will become better over the years, but it is kind of you know in its infancy, so it's not as good. It did come out with some cool features that weren't in After Effects, but now After Effects has gone to version 7, and they did put in things like a graph editor, which helps you animate a little bit with more control, and that's something that was in motion. So uh, they kind of one-upped them and then 
After Effects came back and fixed it. So these two are going to kind of go back and forth. And uh, I don't know. I think it's good to know them both if you can. But After Effects is definitely my choice for motion graphics. I just think it does a better job. It's a little easier to use, I think. But if you are comfortable with the, the Mac version, if you're comfortable with Final Cut Pro, um, Soundtrack, or those kind of those kind of programs, then it's going to be real easy for you to, to become comfortable with motion because it works in much the same way. Next, you have encoding. And if you need to encode things for the web or for different versions to be able to compress them or to be able to get them in, in a format that can be viewed on different types of computers in different players, then you're going to need these. Uh, the one that I learned in school is Discrete Cleaner, and I think they're different versions. It is offered for both platforms, but I think they're different versions. But they, of course, do the same thing. You're just encoding to several different formats, and it gives you just tons and tons of control over how it's compressed, what size it is. Um, you can add functionality in so that it has kind of sensors. If you notice, you go on the web sometimes, and the movie will start downloading, but it won't play until about like 25% of it is downloaded. That was actually something added in when they were encoding it. And it's on purpose, obviously, so that the movie doesn't end up stopping, so that the downloading is always ahead of the, the playhead. Another one is Sorensen Squeeze. And you've probably heard of this codec before, Sorensen. Uh, it's something that you... They actually had a little engine built into Flash that used to use Sorensen. I don't believe they use it anymore because they came up with an, a new engine for Flash 8. But uh, just another codec. They have their own codec, but also this is uh, an application where you can you can access multiple different codecs. And I didn't explain what codec is. It's actually compression, decompression, and that's the little term that they use for it. So it usually has to do with web-based video. So it's basically squeezing it down into a smaller size, and you need the decompressor software or plugin to be able to play it. Um, the one that I use all the time is Apple Compressor. The reason I use this is because it comes free with Final Cut Studio. And it does much the same thing. They have lots of presets in there that you can use, or you can, you can build up your own presets. And basically, again, it's just kind of messing around with the settings so that um, you can compress it to a certain size, certain dimensions, and add in functionality again if you want it to kind of download a little bit first before it plays and things of that nature. Uh, another way, another reason for encoding something would be to go onto a DVD. And if you're going to make DVDs, you need DVD authoring software. A few of these, the, the few of the big names that I know anyways, I don't do a whole lot of this. Um, DVD Studio Pro is what comes with Final Cut Studio. Adobe Encore is what comes with their production suite. And then iDVD is something that you have if you, uh, if you have a Macintosh that has a DVD burner, I believe. If you have the SuperDrive in your Mac, then it most, most likely comes with iDVD, which is a, a super dumbed-down DVD authoring program, which is great. It's kind of drag-and-drop. It's very WYSIWYG, very easy to use, very easy to make DVDs. So uh, those are pretty much what you're going to be using. I, of course, use DVD Studio Pro because, again, that's what came in the, in the package that I bought. And it's a little, it works kind of like iDVD. There's actually three different modes you can work in, and the very lowest one is very much like iDVD, 
which is kind of cool because you can start off doing that. And then as you learn, you kind of add more functionality to it until it can become very complex and you can make very complex menu systems and all like that kind of stuff. So, and the last thing I wanted to talk about on this would be audio for video. I said, I didn't want to do just straight audio because I don't know very much about it. And there again is a whole lot of software out there and very good brand name software out there that you can use, but I know absolutely nothing about it. Um, the three ones that I'm going to bring up here are, and this is kind of like what I just did with DVDs. You have Apple logic, and this is a software that's been around for a long time and Apple just bought it. And that's of course why I know about it. I've used it a little bit and it's kind of like a, uh, the way it is now anyways, it's kind of like a greater version of soundtrack. Soundtrack is what I, what I use to do my editing on these podcasts. And soundtrack again comes with the Final Cut Studio, and it's kind of a light version of a, of a recording and editing sound program. And the great thing about it is you can actually send files, send sound files from Final Cut Pro into soundtrack and work on them there. And it even shows you the video in that in that program as well. So if you want, you're trying to sync the sound or music up with the video, you can still see it there. This is something you can also do in Logic. Uh, I'd say soundtrack is kind of like logic light at this point. They work in much the same way, but there's just tons and tons more things you can do with logic. Uh, Audition is kind of the, the same thing for Adobe. It comes in the production suite, and I believe you can do the same thing in there now. With the newest version, you, I think you can send sound files from Premiere into Audition and be able to work on them there and see the video and all that. So it's kind of like the same thing. And the thing is with these... Audition and Encore from Adobe are not available for Macintosh. So it's kind of this either or thing. If you're on a PC, you're probably going to be using that suite. And if you're on a Mac, then you're going to be using the Final Cut Studio. And it's you can see it's just kind of head to head competition here. And they've chosen their sides, you know, because I don't think Apple ever made an attempt to make Final Cut Pro for the PC. So Adobe came out with this knowing that they weren't going to have any competition on the PC platform. So again, one or the other. The keys to the game brought to you by techpodcast.com. The key command today is a pretty important one in my mind, and it comes from Photoshop and it's for image size. So if you ever want to maybe change the resolution of an image or change the dimensions in pixels, or inches or whatever measurement that you're in. You probably use this a lot. I use it all the time. What you're going to do on the Mac is press Command Option I. And if you're on the PC, you're going to press Control Alt and I. And this is a key command that was added, I want to say, in Photoshop CS. So if you have Photoshop before that, it might not work. Um, I'm not completely sure on that. It might have been CS2, but I think it was in Photoshop CS. So again, if you want to change the image image size at all of your document, Command Option I on the Mac and Control Alt I on the PC. The next area I want to talk about is my specialty, which is print. And here we're talking about desktop publishing. We probably know that there are just two major players here. I talk about it all the time. There's Adobe InDesign and Cork Express. And this is kind of goes back to the motion and After Effects thing where these 
two programs are just kind of dueling it out. These two companies duel it out. They try and one-up each other with each release. Quark Express just came out with their newest release. There are some new functionalities that aren't in InDesign. And uh, InDesign is going to come out next year and we'll probably have you know, all the updated functionality that's in Quark Express plus some more new things. So it's just going to keep going back and forth every time they make a new version. Like I said, I used to use Quark Express religiously and now I'm kind of in the InDesign boat. And you just got to kind of go with the flow, I think. InDesign really stepped it up and came up with a lot of new functionality because they saw Quark was just kind of sitting there not doing anything because they were the standard. And InDesign and Adobe really kind of changed that and, and really got Quark Express off their butts and in gear because, you know, they were losing market. They're losing market share, I guess. So those are the two main ones you're going to be using. There are some kind of light duty ones. You have PageMaker, uh, Publisher, Pages, which just came out from Apple, and of course Word. These are more for the business world. If you're going to be doing desktop publishing or be working on magazines or magazine ads or anything you can think of, brochures, anything like that, anything high level like that, you're probably going to be wanting to use InDesign or Quark Express. The other ones just aren't going to cut it. I mean, you can do it in them, but it's just going to be so much easier on you if you know one of the two big ones. And plus, if you're thinking you're going to get a job as a desktop publisher or graphic designer, you're going to need to know one or the other and possibly both. So if you have the ability to learn both, I would recommend that you do so. Other than that, um, pretty much the standards. Again, Photoshop to be able to work on all your images. They're going to go in your layouts. And Illustrator. Illustrator becomes really, really important in the print field because you're going to be using a lot of vector graphics, especially if you get into very, very large format graphics. Vector becomes important because it can be sized up as much as you want without losing any quality. So definitely going to need to know those for the print. Uh, if you're working in multimedia, if you're doing any kind of CD-ROMs, um, if you go to trade shows and they have the little kiosk with the demos running or interactive demos in it, or just kind of interactive stuff for the internet, uh, casino games even, you're going to need to know Flash probably. And <clears throat> we'll talk about one that actually existed for a little bit. It was, it was an Adobe product. It was called Live Motion. And it was kind of like Flash. I think it was something they were coming out with to, to try and take on Flash head on head and really have the same kind of functionality. It got through two releases and just never caught on. Nobody bought it, so it went away. And Flash really is the reason that Adobe bought Macromedia. It was like the cash cow, and it's because of all the great functionality that comes with it. Um, <clears throat> you can obviously make tons of motion graphics with it. It makes things that are very small so they can go on the web. You can make CD-ROMs with Flash. You can make the whole interactive experience with that. And this is something that obviously Adobe didn't have. They tried to make it. It didn't catch on. So this is, I think, the main reason they, they, that they wanted Macromedia, especially now because they come out with all this new video technology for the Internet. And you really can't go to more than three or four websites these days without seeing some kind of Flash video on it. So obviously it's a hot commodity. That's why they wanted it. Um, you can do a lot of stuff with Flash, and it's it's really expanding now into 
like mobile phones and stuff like that. You can actually program for that and make little applications or, or websites for those. So this is really why Adobe wanted them. Uh, another one you might be using here is Director. And this one's getting less and less popular, but it is still used for a lot of stuff. Uh, this is what we were learning when I was in school. I think they've since replaced that with Flash because Flash is so popular now. But Director is actually the one that's that's been used to kind of demo out casino games. It also has some 3D technology, so you can bring 3D objects in there and actually program games. I mean, they're obviously light-duty games. They're not like the, the gnarly video games that you have for your Xbox or whatever, but um, it does have 3D functionality. And that's usually how um, CD-ROMs are made. Now, I said you can make CD-ROMs with Flash now, too. But um, I think Flash is getting a lot of the functionality that is in Director, but Director still has some appeal to, to certain media types. If you're in the 3D realm, again, here there's a, a long list of 3D applications. I just wanted to name a couple of them. The one that I learned in school is Maya. And um, that is pretty much a standard, I think, for the movies. There's also 3D Studio Max, which I think is more the standard for video games. There's also Lightwave. And one I wanted to talk about, I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the bullpen, is called SketchUp. And that's another that's another application that, that's brought to you by Google. So we'll talk about that one later. Uh, Maya, again, the one that I learned, very, very complex program. You can do a whole lot of stuff with it, and it's, it's a very great program. I never used 3D Studio, 3D Studio Max. I believe that one and Maya are the ones that are owned by the same company now. Let me look that up. Just not too long ago, uh, Maya used to be owned by Alias, and it was bought out by Autodesk. So let me check this out. If you want to check this out, it's at autodesk.com. But these guys definitely deal in a lot of 3D stuff, so they have a lot of different solutions for that. Oh, wait. Media and Entertainment. Okay, so, yeah, Maya and 3D Studio Max. And they have a bunch of plugins, too. Um, probably 3D Studio Max or Maya is what you're going to be using, depending on, you know, what you're doing. Like I said, motion... Uh, the motion picture industry versus video gaming industry. We actually learned how to make video game characters in Maya, but um, and it's not to say that nobody uses Maya for that, but I don't think it's the main one that they use for that. Other than that, I don't know much about 3D. So uh, again, you're going to be using Photoshop to, um, if you make any of the textures to, to scan like a, a video game character or just to make objects for your backgrounds, especially in video games, this is what they do. They sometimes use just bitmapped images that kind of follow you around. They're actually 2D, but they're just placed so that they, they make up the background and they look real. And you can even use your Illustrator tools here because um, sometimes you can draw out paths and bring them into the 3D application and, and uh, be able to extrude them that way. There is some of that functionality in Illustrator now, but... It's a lot easier to do this stuff and make it look good, make, make it look real in one of these bigger packages. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. The rookie mistake today comes from something that I was just working on. 
And it's something I've probably said a million times and you've probably heard it a million times from other people, but it is don't forget to save your work over and over again. Hit that save command as much as you can. Every time you make some kind of sizable change to your document, save it. And every once in a while, maybe every 10 or 20 edits that you do that are pretty big, save a new version of it. Just in case the version you're working on gets corrupted, you can go back to the last one and you're not going to lose all the work that you just did. I was just working on a big video motion graphics piece and a couple of times the program crashed too. Now I was lucky enough that in After Effects it has like an auto save that saves whatever you're working on before it shuts down the program. You can find a lot of programs have this, but don't always bank on the fact that it's going to catch everything. You might have to go back, you know, several steps if this happens. So it's just always good to hit that save button every once in a while and make sure everything's up to date. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. I've alluded to the bullpen a couple of times already this podcast. Um, our website for today is Google, and that might sound kind of weird, but if you go to google.com, you're going to see a bunch of different links and at the top there, and there's one that says more, and it's got a couple arrows pointing to the right. Click on that one, and you're going to see it says more Google products, and there's lots of great stuff up here. Uh, I'm just going to talk about a couple of these. They're actually right next to each other, and they're underneath the communicate, show, and share category. Uh, the first one is called Picasa, and we talked about this in the, uh, the digital imaging. This is something that you, you can actually use to, to edit your photos, and it says find, edit, and share your photos. So you can share them over the internet with other people as well, but it's a free application that you can use to edit your photos. The second one is called SketchUp, and this one is really cool. I, uh, I downloaded this one and checked it out. It's a 3D application, and again, it's free. And it has a lot of good functionality. Being a user of Maya, I went and checked it out to see how cool, how good it is, how easily it, it is to use. And it worked pretty good. So if you have any curiosity about 3D and you want to work on something, check that thing out. Go ahead and download it. It is free. And uh, maybe take a step into the realm of 3D graphics. Pretty cool stuff. Well, that's about it for our show today. Hopefully this was useful to most of you. Um, I could use some more votes on Podcast Alley. We still have about a week and a half before the month is over. I know I've been asking you to vote for a lot of stuff, but if you do have the time, then go up and vote for me. If you have a topic, like I said before, that, that you want to put up for, for people to comment on, or if you have a topic that you'd like me to talk about on the show, just post it up in the forum. Go to the Rookie Designer folder, and just make a new post there and say, I want to talk about this, and we will do that. Or, if you don't like that idea, maybe you can just contact me personally. Many ways you can do that. You can email me at adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can go to uh, myspace.com slash rookiedesigner and become my friend and send me a message that way. Actually, you don't even have to be my friend to send me a message. Um, lots of people have been joining there, so thank you for doing that. We've got tons of friends up there now. A very good way to uh, to network with other designers. Uh, you can also Skype me at username TitanStrides if you do have Skype installed on your computer. If you don't, just call the call-in line. It's 
4043 and that'll go to the same little messaging service and you can leave me a message like that um, we do have a frapper map still I haven't talked about it in a really long time but if you go to the home page on the fast links you will see frapper map under there so we have like 70 people up there it's a good way to show everybody where you're at and we're actually getting a lot in the, uh, the area of Europe actually giving the U.S. a run for their money. There's lots of people up there now. So go check out where people are listening from. It's pretty cool to see. Uh, I will give you updates on the podcast awards once I know what's going on. They are tallying up the uh, the nominations and going through the, the little process that they do. Like I said, in, in like probably a week, there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be decisions on the top five for each category. When that happens, if we're in there, if we're lucky enough to be one of the top five, then I'm going to ask you to vote for me so we can see if we can get one of those podcast awards. All right, that's about it. Thank you as always for listening, new listeners and those who have been with me for the long haul. I thank you and I appreciate you making this show as good as it is. And just remember, everybody's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high.